was gonna even tell me the subject before. I don't even know what we're gonna talk ah, about. Ah, okay. Yeah. Welcome to a new episode of Fun Boat Diplomacy. I'm here with Aliona Shulika. Yeah. From Ukraine. Uh, you want to introduce yourself to the podcast audience? Just a little bit, just a little short. Okay, yeah, sure. Well, I'm, I was born in Russia. I have Ukrainian nationality because most of the time I lived in Ukraine. Now we met here in Portugal, where I, I came just to make my master degree in marine biology. I'm 27 and, uh, well, I don't know, and... I try to to travel to to meet new people, and uh, yeah, that's basically the main thing, I guess. Yeah, and tell tell us a little bit about your studies. Well, I have two master's degree. One I finished in Ukraine, in Kiev. It was about hydrology and hydrochemistry. Uh, very interesting. Basically, it's all connected to the water, and it's engineering specialization. So. We know how to build the dams and hide, like, everything that's connected to the water. Mm -hmm. And then I thought it might be not enough if I want to have a nice career to, to have Ukrainian education. So I decided to get it uh, in Europe, abroad. So I got a scholarship from European Union to, to do another master in Portugal. Because of some, I don't know, it was like... Um, they closed the, the project that I had in the university, the one I applied for, and I get in. So they invited me to change, and uh, to change the subject and study marine biology. I was like, okay, not bad idea. And your your scholarship is from the European Union. Yeah. From, uh, is uh, it from Erasmus? Or no? uh, yeah, it's kind of Erasmus, but just because it's for full master, it's called Erasmus Mundus. Oh, okay. That's, what, they I was, that's yeah. what I was doing. As yeah. Well. Now they mix up everything and they don't have that separation anymore. Now yeah, they, that's, they it's change very, all it's in the past couple, like maybe year or two, it's been really confusing yeah, yeah, to define what yeah, it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. They had different projects for different countries. Mm -hmm. And then again, like it was different if you apply f like independently from yourself or mm -hmm. you uh, apply from university. Mm -hmm. That's what I did. So basically I didn't have that much options. I had just those universities that cooperate with mine. Mm -hmm. And through those universities, I could choose the one that, well, I decided to choose the one that has more or less similar master degree that I had before, so I can apply for. Mm -hmm. Not like you've been studying geography and then you decide to apply for, I don't know, something really unrelated, like cinema, mm -hmm. for instance, or like movie directing. And have you, you've written your thesis or you will, ha you will have to write your thesis? Oh, I, I, I wrote everything. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. And what was that about? It was ocean, about ocean acidification. Well, I mean in marine biology. Uh -huh. It was about ocean acidification and uh, the reaction of calcifying algae on these changes in the water. Because we know how ocean acidification affects uh, corals, uh -huh. but there is much more calcifying organisms, marine organisms in the, in the ocean. So basically this research is not very common, not very, they don't have that much literature or scientific papers made of. But it, it was really interesting. What was your results? What were the findings? Oh, they were like really interesting. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's how all these things Yeah, are it's always like degrees. this. Because every time we... Uh, 
it did have an effect, of course, like negative effect. Mm -hmm. And in the end, well, the final results, we could say, okay, yeah, this affects the calcification process. And basically, it, well, it's almost the same like a visual corals. It's really, uh, me, I didn't do the study of the pigments. Like, as you know, like the corals, they change the color, they become really white. I didn't do this result, uh, this part of the research. It was my colleague who did a PhD, who actually does now. But from my, from my results, from my research, it affects the growth and, also, uh, and calcification. So, basically it has a negative effect, which we had to prove, basically. <laughs> because we did expect that, and through the results we had a long-term experiment in the laboratory. And we found out that it does affect, like, has a negative effect mm -hmm. on that. And from, I guess, previous discussions, you, what, was your, what were your feelings on, on university here in Portugal? Oh, it was so different. The thing is, I never studied biology before. Uh -huh. And uh, obviously I'm not native in, in English. My master's such in English. Hopefully. Because actually a lot of friends of mine, they came to university and the studies was done in Portuguese. Right. So they never studied Portuguese yeah. before. Yeah. Um, so, it was very difficult, it was very different, the, the whole procedure, the whole, uh, how do you call it, like educational process was totally different. Mm -hmm. We had like eight weeks of subjects, like just three subjects, then we had threw away the exams, then again eight weeks of uh, so another uh, three yeah. subjects, yeah. and then again exams. So first it was in English. Second, it was very obviously. If you go for a master degree, it's uh, oh my god, what the word? Like you have to know previous knowledge. You have to have a strong background. You need, yeah, you need a foundation. Yeah, you have enough to have foundation about the subjects you're gonna start to study in in your master degree. Mm -hmm. For me, I had a really big like a gap gap yeah. in that. Because, for instance, when I had like evolutionary biology and phylogenetics, and supposedly I had to to know all of that, and I didn't. Or molecular biology, where we had to to clone out the DNA and to make DNA extraction. And I was like, okay, so originally I had to know how to do that, so we go like forward and we learn new things. For me, it was very difficult because I had no clue about that. So I asked a friend of mine to explain me first, and actually. What I did like, that during those two years, I, I think I learned much more than I did learn through six years in my previous university. Mm -hmm. Because it was so full and so challenging, so complete. And then when I, um, I had that really nice experience when I was writing an exam. And I had just like one week moment and I thought, oh my God, do you actually realize what are you doing now? You just now like uh, clone out the sequence from the DNA, and we didn't learn that because we we did something steps after. But and I was like, do you realize that it's so different? Could you imagine that you actually be able to do that? It was very weird, very weird. Sensation. Let's describe that. What does that mean? Because I'm not a scientist. No, it's just like for instance. Before, what I knew about the DNA, it's like, okay, it's genetically, it's like some kind of information that, uh, that hidden, hidden in the, in the genes. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the DNA, um, it has like, 
it's actually really like it's like a sequence of the letters let's say like this in a, not in a scientific way in general information and so obviously I didn't know which gene responsible for what and how you actually can clonize the DNA so I just heard it like from movies or from scientific papers or something like how important it is like that sometimes some uh, disease human disease could be caused by the changes in DNA yeah. and some problem with the genes so I didn't know nothing about that but then during the classes of course with the not the classes but anyway after you know how you actually take because it's a huge 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 line with a lot of a lot of it's a really long one and you for to clonize it you have to pick just the sequences like some part of it because the gene is really long so basically you have to know how to do it and what to do next to try to make a copy of it mm -hmm. and I didn't know before so when I actually realized that I'm now able to do it it was really impressive so you yourself are able to do it now yeah <laughs> well of course I had, well I didn't practice that for a long time but... does it feel like magic yeah it is that's the point that's my point like you're because right. it sounds like it to me that's what it sounds like I, ne I never did that before you know and I would not believe that I'm actually capable for it and when I actually did it I was like oh my god I feel so smart you know <laughs> oh my god I managed to learn it it's actually not that it's like sci-fi you know sometimes it's like what uh, how do you call it uh, sci-fi 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 fiction yeah science fiction science fiction oh yeah sci-fi yeah. I don't know sometimes I had some letters no, no, in the okay, middle so anyway um, I was really really impressed I was like wow okay so I didn't waste my time actually <laughs> in the university but yeah, yeah it's nice so yeah, the real sciences always they're amazing to me but I know that it's not for me to do I just like to observe what's going on yeah. I like to sort of look at what the scientists are doing because I know I'm, for myself I don't I don't feel like I think like that so I I just I just like to sit back and watch <laughs> well actually me well I didn't know what I want to study uh, I didn't know what I want to do actually with my life and then somehow by random I get there and I was like oh my god science it's so you know recently I read I found like kind of an article about the it's not even an article it's like a joke like the what happened if your mother is a microbiologist mm -hmm. so when her child came back from the, from the street from the plane over there she took his uh, fingerprints and she started to grow the bacteria on his hands mm -hmm. well on the paper of course like in special conditions and then she made a picture of it and I was like oh my god like is it like every common mother would do that? Of course not. It's just like curious, like, oh, he for sure has a bacteria on the hands. So let's reach, let's look and just like uh, observe which one exactly. So I was like, oh yeah, that's true. If you are really into science, if you are really passionate about it, it's I don't know, it's like a whole different world. Absolutely, it's really nice. And then all people that I met here, what I've been also impressed by. Because it's not actually very common in Ukraine. In Ukraine, everyone goes to university. No, it goes to university where he actually can apply and be accepted. So it's not really a choice of, not your really your choice. It's like determined already, or not really. It's like okay, you finish your studies, you have kind of final grades, then you have to f write an exams and get in. Okay, okay. So I have this 
mean grade, for instance, with this grade, where I can apply for? What I can actually, because for us it's very important. Uh, it's like obligatory. You have to have a university degree. Mm-hmm. So then you go where you can actually apply, when you can be possibly accepted. And here now, almost all my classmates, they were so into that, like, oh, I was dreaming to be married in Belgium since my childhood. And I was like, really? <laughs> oh my God, that really happens? They're like, oh yeah, but now here in Portugal, it's very difficult with the job. But that's something, that's my dream. And I was like, unbelievable. And then now when we are finished, we, we all finished the, the master degree. And most of my classmates are now all over the, the world. Someone in Stockholm, someone on the islands, someone in Azores. Keep doing the same thing. Keep working in a marine biology area. And that's, that's what impressed me a lot. Don't you think in Portugal it's a big, especially big, they, all, they have like a history with the ocean and the sea and well yeah of course I guess that's part of it for I think, sure I don't know what is it like in Ukraine maybe not so common the thing is it's like really really different it's not a stereotype but just like the different way of it's like a part of education system you know in Ukraine it's very it sounds like a dream like a mystery that some people actually work like their job is actually really what they were planning to do or they were dreaming so in, to do. So in Ukraine it's, you, people have all these dreams, they want to be this and that, but it doesn't happen so often. No, I don't think it happens at all. At all? That's sad. <laughs> it's a big luck, it's a big luck if you actually finish university and you have a job within your speciality. This is really big luck. It's yeah. like, really? You finish um, financial management for instance or like uh, your international economist and you actually really work with economy really and like yeah oh my god it's so rare how lucky are you mm. never happened most of the time it's like okay you finish one thing and then you work for instance my friend they finish geography faculty like social economy no 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 uh, geography economy or something like that and they're working for instance in uh, some language school mm. For instance, because maybe they were studying that as on the side or something. No, it's something like okay, you you apply somewhere where you, I don't know. It's I like, think that's a huge problem today. It's not only in Ukraine but everywhere. You, the education doesn't fit what no. the needs of the economy. Um, yeah, so you have these people studying this, and then they become something entirely different that is unrelated. Absolutely. Like me, I. <laughs> I'm not a military historian, nor, nor do I work in the security uh, side of, of any government. I did intern um, in, in, the, in security in, in the government, um, but that was like two years ago, two, three years ago, and now I'm here in Portugal, not doing anything related to that at all. <laughs> so, welcome to the club. <laughs> I'm in the club. Yeah. yeah so, so what is it like in Ukraine now? I'm interested in... Uh, now uh, that the politics side Ooh. Yeah, I don't know how much you know about that as a marine but you, you must know something I guess actually a friend of mine he's working in the, this field in Ukraine now he actually finished here uh, he did PhD uh-huh. in Portugal and he was always dreaming to go back and now he came back and he found uh, he does like it's like university it's not actually a research center basically mm-hmm. 
where they do make their observation about a not a real economy but like political situation in mm -hmm. the country mm -hmm. so they make their prognosis like their evaluation the situation like it's like um political analyst yeah. basically policy analyst, policy analyst. Like yeah 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 something like that so uh what is happening now well obviously I'm not that, that must be that must be really hectic these <laughs> days yeah well there's so many going on there uh basically with all this situation well actually as a result i'm really happy to see what partly of course what is happening with our country because even so, like we're going through such hard, difficult times with uh, all the war and people are suffering and dying, obviously every day, and it's not our fault. And we try to deal with that. Uh, the good part of it, it's after that revolution, basically, people became conscious. That's what I like. People became really patriotic. People finally know and can define their needs. When people went to protest, they were like, okay. You ask random person, like, don't matter if it, because the thing is, like, not a lot of people travel around the, the Europe. Most of the people didn't have any opportunity to leave the country, so it's hard to compare. But even so, nowadays, if you will stop, like, old lady or, like, younger generation, like, students or something, everyone has his own uh, reasons to be protest. You know, like, for instance, okay, I, I want to have a good um, future for my children, or... I want to have a human rights that we have in Europe and we are part of the Europe. And everyone became so conscious. They do not trust everything they see. They cannot be brainwashed anymore. Mm -hmm. They every time read a lot. Newspapers, different... They watch different TV, different uh, news. And then they make their own evaluation, you know? It's not like, okay, we watch one channel and they say so. No. Not like Russia. No, absolutely, absolutely. And that's what I'm really happy about it. Like, okay, we watch all news. We, we choose who to trust to. But we lost that trust so much that now it's really difficult for politicians to take it back. Mm -hmm. Now we don't trust to anyone. And everyone can discuss the things and they become aware of the situation and they try to explain and they talk about it. And we change a policy. Um, how do you call it? Polis... Policy? No. Yeah, polis policy basically mm -hmm. because we went through a lot of... Um, like a lot of people were fired, even from the higher level. Mm -hmm. Like ministers and everyone was changed. Yes. Now we want a total replacement right. for everyone. Because the thing is like, during all our... We are not independent for so long. Right. We were like, we became independent in 1991. Uh, right. So we are very young independent country mm -hmm. and so every time on the on the lead positions was almost the same people like all from the same uh, how you call it uh, it's just like recycled from, from the yeah, yeah 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 exactly yeah. exactly it's so the, the same, same yeah the same happens all the time when they change regimes it's just easier for example to have like a finance minister like oh you have experience in finance in this country we know we changed the regimes, but like yeah, you, you yeah. understand it, so yeah, just yeah, just yeah. just continue doing this. Exactly. Yeah, and then, and always about twenty years after, um, when the young generation grows up and then they realize that that happened, then it always then it changes. The same happened after World War Two in Germany in the sixties. The young generation realized, wait a second, 
All the, all, all the old Nazis are still there. We, we need to get rid of them. Let's get rid of them and, and change it again. Yeah, that's, that's So it happens same. every 20 years. Uh, so that's how, I guess, this is what I'm hearing from you. From yeah, Ukraine. actually, I never thought of that. Well, I'm not really good in history, to be honest. Uh, I had a really bad teacher. So yeah. it was really boring, not interesting at all. And, but actually, yeah, that's what, what we try to do. Like, our generation, young generation, they try to change it. And now we're so proud because it's like step by step. You cannot change immediately everything. Mm -hmm. And now our economy now so crushed totally, right. and the situation. And of course, with all that world, we we have a lot of um, we don't have work enough. Right. How it's called again? I love the word. There's uh, fuck. Yeah. Now I'm thinking of the German word, but okay, damn it. Uh, well, unemployment. Yeah. yeah, unemployment. Yeah, it's really I don't know high why level. I have of difficulty with that. <laughs> yeah, me too. Actually, it's such a common word, and I totally forgot it. So we have a really high level of unemployment right uh -huh. now, and it's yeah. hard to find a job, and our currency fell down as well. And and so it's it's difficult. Mm -hmm. But then, the I like the the way people try to fight it and change it. And in Kiev, in the capital, we our police. I think it's like almost like I don't know how many percent were like fired. And then new people come in, and we are so proud now. Like, yeah, that's it. Is, but we is it, it is it optimistic? In, yeah, yeah, I think so. I, th I don't think it will. Because I stand outside of this, and I'm, I don't know what to think, but definitely optimistic is not the word I would yeah. I would think about. But if you think if you say so, if in Kiev everything's optimistic, that's nice. But um, I mean, it's not a fast process for sure. Yeah. Not. I mean, it's not. It's gonna take much more time that we would like to happen mm -hmm. you cannot change immediately everything but finally for the last year we had so many changes much more than before so slowly maybe step by step I mean it's hard it's very hard it's almost unbelievable but when you every time see that conscious change and mentality changing you know like people do care oh my god I never could imagine that voluntary work can change the world you know and in Ukraine now I see it. Most of the results we have it's actually because of volunteering. Because people do it by themselves. They, okay, we do not trust government because it's hard to they're so laid back. They they okay, of course they have excuses they have to deal with the biggest problem. But still, for instance, to help our army, my lord, so many, so many volunteer work where we collect and we buy um, Medicine, for instance, mm. or like uh, some supplies, supplies like everything, supplies. and we and we send it there, and there are people doing it, and we, okay, we wanna live in Europe, we are European, we wanna change something in our country, and so people start to, uh, we are fighting for a bright future, so to clean uh, parks, to clean squares, to fight for with corruption everything and that's what people do not really well government maybe at some point government that's like there's that's their supposed job but they have so many things that yeah it's it's difficult it's difficult it's difficult for everybody but when it comes down to it if you want change just do it yourself and yeah that's what that's what yeah. you're telling me yeah that's good yeah absolutely yeah that's it so that's why i i still believe that we try to keep ourselves optimistic. And are, are Ukrainians optimistic about the current regime now that it's changed a little bit, or is it still a bunch of clowns? 
Well, here I would say there is no um, one. There is no one opinion about that actually. Okay. So it's really. First of all, I heard different uh, opinions about it. For instance, me and my family, we do believe that it was a. Let's say good choice, from what we have. I mean, it's not the best, obviously. It has to be totally someone new outside, but it's hard with uh, that level of experience and authority and influence. It's hard. It's hard to make a nice choice, especially if you don't have that much options. But I think it was the right one. From what we have, that was the best. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. And uh, if you will see, it seems like from all those presents that we've got, this one is really cares. I mean, he got totally gray after one year, mm -hmm. his hair, and you can see that he's, he's trying to do the best, but it's hard. It's hard to fight all the country, right. or all that old regime, and all corruption, and it's also very dangerous, and so it's not easy. Just maybe not everyone understand that. It's not like by one second you can change everything, but I think it was a nice choice. I think it might lead to something better. And how is the perception, like, did, did you know people in the now disputed region of, oh, in the east? Pardon? Like, did, did you know people in, like, Donetsk, for example, like, over on the other side? Oh, yeah, of course. And how was... Well, actually, I... I don't know how that would, how that dynamic would be if this part of your country is trying to separate, but you know people there, and... Well, the thing is, like... To be honest, that's something, that part of information was really a lot of manipulation with it. Yeah, okay. It is not a big difference, only difference that we've got, um, it, because we're a huge country. You can see it in every, every country is the same. You see the difference between the north and the south. Mm. Even so, even here in Portugal. Yeah. Portugal is so small, but you see how people are different. Yeah. And it's normal, it's logic. Totally, and Ukraine is the biggest one in in, in Europe by the sizes. Yeah. There are 48 million people, so obviously they're all different. The difference is like on the east, people are closer to Russia and they used to go there for work and uh, and opposite, so they're closer to the border. They do speak Russian. Yeah, that's true. My, in my family, we do speak Russian as well, and I'm actually from the center east. I would say, and then I lived well. And, and then I moved away. And on the western, obviously because of the borders, they do speak. Uh, they do speak Polish. They do speak really ethnic Ukrainian language. But people like migrating, they work there. They live in another place. So there's were not that much difference, and no one was complaining about the language or something. But then, of course, because people has to discuss something and manipulate with some kind of information. This question been bringing up to the surface, and in Crimea, for instance, oh, that was such a big scandal about that. In Ukraine, uh, they were saying that in Crimea, people were complaining that they didn't allow, were not allowed to speak Russian, which is totally, totally bullshit. I'm sorry, that's true. I mean, they had authority to write all national documents in Russian. That was only part of uh, Ukraine, were they allowed to do that? So all government organizations were allowed to write all the papers in Russian, not in Ukrainian. And we have only one uh, 
national language, which is Ukrainian. Mm -hmm. And I was like, after all of that, you really do speculate with this information, with this uh, question, like, oh yeah, they are limiting our uh, needs or like, yeah. wishes or will or whatever. So it's it's not as uh, it, I guess it's not as divisive as as the media likes to portray it. Yeah, that's the sense I get. I see some of these documentaries where they they talk to people over there, and it's not even really political for them. They just want it to stop. <laughs> Absolutely. That's that's the sense I get. Um, and then you have sort of media go to they'll be on the the, the NATO side and say like they'll say. Don't you think? Do you think that the Russians are provoking, or maybe you're provoking? And then they go to the Russian side, ask soldiers, "Are you doing something in 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 Ukraine?" And they say no. And but at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because nobody wants to. <laughs> everyone just wants the political side to settle down. Yeah. It really has nothing to do with. Uh, yeah, it's it's not polarizing as 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 the as the media likes to likes to make it. The thing is. Of course, everyone is uh, different. I have a really close friend, the best friend of mine. She's actually from Crimea. Mm -hmm. Now she does PhD in Budapest, so she, she lives abroad. And uh, she does actually political uh, science now. And she had to go to Crimea because of her research. And she was saying to me lately, because they now have uh, Russian currency and everything. Mm -hmm. It's so weird, it's so weird, even so weird, still. I don't know actually, because Ukraine, uh, the Crimea, it's like at the same time a part of both countries. Because Ukraine, not ready to give up on it. And they're like, okay, but Crimea, it's our, our, it's part of Ukraine. Is, there any, more, is there any more administrative uh, power in. Oh, from, no. Yeah, so. No, I don't think so, no. So it's, it's not really. I, I think you can say at the moment that. No, now it's like a part of Russia. Yeah. Now it is. Exactly. Like a official, not officially maybe, but like in, in, in reality. In, in, yeah, in practice it's... In practice yeah. it is Russian. Yeah. And she was like so impressed and she was like, oh my god, I feel like a, a stranger at my own uh, native uh, region. I feel very weird. And she's like, it's really scary. I, I'm afraid to be there. And the worst thing, the worst thing that... Uh, for instance, intelligent people who are actually interested, that could try to understand, they have their own opinion. But most of the people, especially the ones that didn't have any education or like, you know, like farmers or I don't know. Because there's, we have a, in, in Crimea, we have a Russian military, how we call it, in Sevastopol. Occupation. Yeah, it's like Marine, Marine forces. Is there. Uh, okay, yeah. And it's been agreement between Ukraine and Russian that okay Russian uh, marine military how we call it the navy no. the navy the navy yeah. can stay there like can be located there when was that since when ooh since the beginning since the beginning the, of? Uh, our independence oh, okay so in the, from the 90s yeah okay. yeah from the 90s it was like a part of the agreement that okay Ukraine uh, Crimea is a part of Ukraine but still okay there is a special place where you can be located and it's very strategic yeah. very nice place and so there is a lot of Russians living there obviously mm -hmm. so this is really tricky and I know I had some people that I knew and I tried to talk to them and because they were so far from Kiev they get totally wrong idea about what's happening 
And they're like, you know nothing there in Ukraine what is happening. And I was like, I'm sorry. Do you think that like 30 million people have been brainwashed and just you in Crimea are smart and you get like the first uh, the first information, the, the raw information, the right one? Really? You do believe in that? And I had so many discussions about that. And I was like, why? You didn't know nothing. You, you never been there. You... Why you would uh, make your evaluation just based on this on Russian news? I mean, this is conflict of two countries. Wouldn't you be interested to have two points of view? That was very weird. So basically, you have different people, and some of them support Russian. People hear what they want to hear. So yeah, absolutely. It's the same in every country. And that's a big discussion, of course, and uh, it's weird, and sometimes it's scary. But you cannot escape from that. But still, you, do you think that in, in Kiev it's, it's optimistic I about so. this situation? Well, to be Maybe you haven't been back uh, to, um, in Kiev. Let's say like this. I cannot say if it's optimistic, to be honest. I cannot say is it really optimistic or not. Uh, I can... The situation is really critical, actually. It's very unstable. My parents are still there and they say like it's worse day by day. And it doesn't seem like be solved very soon. But what I can, what I also did notice, those positive changes that have been done. And it's still always better to talk about something positive than negative. I think. Could be true. But <laughs> <laughs> because you know, like we have so many bad things in our news. Mm -hmm. It's getting really depressive. Yeah. Let's I think, focus on something good. Yeah, I, I think. Uh, as much as it's nice to think about all the positive things that you've been talking about, that could all entirely disappear if things escalate, you know? Yeah. Which is really bad. Because like, cause I, cause I think about border countries like the, the Baltics, and they already are pretty... Um, they're actually very scared. They're, they're very scared. <laughs> and they, and there's, there's every, every month uh, more and more NATO things, let's say, going on on those in those countries um, so is, is that what the uh, what Ukrainians feel as well that they need some sort of backup oh yeah yeah sure. but the thing they, is, don't you think that's even that's so difficult to say because if you the more you the more you put there the more pressure that is in that area yeah so the thing is there's no right answer I don't think no that's true but what I also even like okay, me. I cannot say I can be really objective. First of all, I'm not living now there. It's been already almost four years when I live abroad, so I cannot be really objective. That's true. But what I think that in Ukraine, we we need help. We are not strong. Unfortunately, we don't have enough power to to stand against Russia. And we needed we needed uh, a help from from European Union, for instance, and support like those economical sanctions that were against Russia. Because the thing is, like as far as we admit that we have a war, and we will put like war, how we call like war situation? No. You say it again. Like for instance, if you have war and you accept it, like admit it. So then the regime, like all country goes on the like war. Declare war. Yeah, like on that. Make it official. 
so then you, the mood will change like ab absolutely and it will be more like for power it will be uh, forces and then all production everything will change like the situation in country will be changed totally yeah i think it's so interesting right now we try that to since, avoid that. that since it's um, it started i guess when was this not last winter was it the winter before yeah no 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 it was last winter yeah no not not this past winter but the one before yeah well actually it started november yeah it november. was november 2013 13 exactly yeah, and since then, it's almost as if the international community is uh, delaying calling it what it is. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like when you uh, when you have a, an assignment due and you just you just ask the professor for more time. Yeah. So it's so strange because people are obviously everyone knows what's going on, but you don't want to call it by what it is, mm. and uh, I don't know. I don't know if there's another situation in the, there's another situation in in history like that where there's so much information that everyone knows but you don't call it what it is. Nobody calls it what it is. Yeah. It's because very strange. Nowadays, you know, like information rules the world. That's true. But because everyone everyone follows his own interest, it's hard to find a compromise. It really is, and we were afraid when it was when was it last year, I think we were really thinking in Ukraine, really, we were thinking, oh my God, it's like third world war is it's coming getting really hot yeah it's getting really hot and very dense and very scary, and no way it's gonna happen because of us, like because of Ukraine, but now I don't know that's another reason why we don't think it will end up very soon. Because it's going like slowly, slowly. No one admit anything. The sanction doesn't work really, and uh, well. So that's why it doesn't seem like it's finished soon. But hopefully, you never have a really nice expression. I don't know. Do you have it in English? I will try to to improvise, like to translate. But we used to say. Uh, it wouldn't be something good if the bad thing would happen. So something bad really has to happen for to make to be, for positive yeah, change change to to appear. I don't think that's a foreign idea to the English language, but I don't. <laughs> yeah, I know it's really hard. I can, to... What I can think of right now is from Nike. They have this. <laughs> I had this friend from Serbia who always wore this shirt. It's like an athletic shirt from mm -hmm. Nike. I think it was from Nike or maybe Adidas. I think it's Nike. And it said, no pressure, no diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I always thought it was so funny. You really have to know this guy. To, it's, it's, just, it's so funny that when he was wearing it, he was just a goofy guy. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, the idea that there needs to be a difficulty for, for, uh, for progress. We have to, yeah, we have to have a motivation, you know? Mm -hmm. If everything is really nice, people get used to that. And they don't fight at all. You know, actually, when it starts to happen, here I, I talk a lot with Portuguese, and they always mention, like, you know, if it would happen in Portugal, we wouldn't do anything. We would just stay back, like, stay aside. And I was like, why? And she's like, oh, we're already, like, they were saying, like, we're already so lazy, like, you know, we get used to it. We're like, oh, come on, that's not nice, but okay, let it be. 
like they wouldn't fight for it and for us it was and I was like yeah but you cannot compare no situations that happen Portugal for hundreds of years has yeah. just been like sitting back you know yeah. except Angola we can kind of make that an exception but, well uh, I think Af actually in general African continent oh it's such a different story that's a different story yeah it's a different word and I don't know yeah, but um, that's a problem I see in all of Europe now that I think the Europeans don't want to admit um, is that they're unprepared not just Portugal even even the big ones like France and Germany who mm -hmm. historically have been competent enough um, are no longer competent they've had since the yep. since the beginning of NATO the idea is that we no longer have to, to fight to fight and we can rely on the United States or the NATO alliance in general to be the way out of, of conflict but suddenly in the past two years uh, that's very more and more uncertain and what's dangerous is Russia has always been preparing yeah but NATO has been getting weak they're not it's not yeah. it's like they're not it's like they're not lifting the weights That's so true. so true. for example i know just in germany and i actually asked one of the people at the foreign ministry mm -hmm. i went i visited the foreign ministry when i was studying in berlin and i asked him i said you know so nato that's, <laughs> that's cool so for yeah. like decades and decades you've been you've been a part of nato that's very nice for you guys but um what if one day nato doesn't exist what do you do and he didn't really give me a straight answer. He says that not. he said NATO is a reliable alliance, and they will continue being taking part in the in the exercises and, and partnership with the United States and all the rest of the European countries. But you have to wonder, Germany, a country that historically has had a strong military, suddenly, after 1948 or 49, when NATO was created. Uh, shifted that effort and that burden onto the alliance and the United States to the point where you have a generation not only in Germany but every every European country generations that have no idea what it's like to serve yeah um, which it's not a bad thing but it's a dangerous thing because you're playing with reality Russia is reality yeah. Um, sitting back and thinking that the European Union's a happy place is is just an abstraction, and you see that you see that um, with with the economic situation with Greece too. The idea of the euro as a currency, I think, is just really an idea, because it doesn't work. Because really. you can't. I've said this in another podcast episode. It you can't have Germany and and Greece and Portugal share the same currency. It doesn't. It doesn't really I, work. Yeah, it doesn't work, and uh, it's nice symbolically showing the unity of the European countries, but when it starts, when the fabric starts to fall apart, like it is right now, you see that Germany has really no, or it doesn't, uh, it doesn't want to um, come to the aid of its European brother. We can say it like this, you know. So just. Um, the a unified Europe is a nice idea, but uh, it, it could be dangerous if you rely on it. So, like for example, these southern European countries, I guess, relied on the euro 
as a currency, and that's that's uh, come back to bite them bite them in the ass, and uh, and hopefully we don't see it, but it could be this, it could happen that the relying relying on NATO could bite them in the ass, every single one of them. That's the sad part about it. But at the same time, like there are a lot of countries actually in Europe. Who doesn't um, accept the euro currency? Yeah, yeah. Which Hungary, I, I like. Sweden, Norway. Czech Republic. A lot Denmark. of them, actually. Yeah. yeah. Actually, most of them. Most, do, just do you think few... most of them? I think most of them don't. If you count the little tiny yeah. ones. Yeah. I think so. I think so. <laughs> so I, in recent months, have, have uh, come, to the, come to the idea. Yeah, they don't use it. They use pounds. I kind of feel that um, it was a kind of a club that that benefited France and Germany and then the other countries got tricked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Doesn't it feel like that? Maybe, yeah. Like, oh, this is a nice little enticing thing and uh, everyone bought into it. Germany had a good hand, but all the southern countries didn't. Yeah. So, unfortunately, that's the case. But another thing, for instance, I actually like the idea of European. The I whole do too. idea. Don't get me wrong. No, no, yeah, no, no, but but that's totally right. Um, then it's like Russia always had a high ambitions, always, since the beginning, and it was silly to not expect something more. And this actually, well, now I have to say, don't get me wrong. There is a lot of jokes about the United States in uh, in Europe. Tell them. Particular. I love hearing these. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. It's like every time when you watch an um, American movie, they're like. Just United States, the one who saved the world. Yeah. It's like really. Bruce Willis will save every save everybody. Always, always, <laughs> always. Like something happened, like globalists come in, like really, really global. You know, like I don't know if it's aliens or it's something like apocalypse, like some kind of natural thing, mm-hmm. and everyone in the United States is the first who actually <laughs> figure out how to deal with it. Yeah. Always, and everyone like making jokes, like oh, come on, Japan is really. Scientifically, like they're really on a high level, right. and they're really smart, and they're much more than that. And United States, not only one country in the world. Okay, we cannot rely on uh, Africa, maybe, but uh, but it's true, you know. So people get upset about that, especially like German. German have a really high standards right now as well. In England, I think in some kind of researches, they are really strong. Right. But um, so everyone makes th- those kind of jokes about United States, and now when actually like real problem is coming, and it's going about the the weapon and yeah. the war. Hey, where are you? <laughs> yeah, like oh, United States. I think I think we might need because the thing is like you were, but in general you have different kind of strategy. Yeah, the way you really, um, I think you have kind of ish, not kind of. It's how we call it. Oh, it's like fetish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know how you call it. Like, security for United States is the first. First. Started by from name, the beginning. By, yeah. by name, though. When in practice, sometimes it's it's not correct. Well, maybe. But, like, it's really, really, you know, now, even with a simple thing, like, okay, to get a visa to get to United States. Ooh. Yeah, you're oh, explaining I'm... that it's, like, expensive just to even fill out the application. The, it's so difficult, you know, and they ask so many, and they're like... The, Oh my god, if you will, I have to give you to read the application form. The yeah. questions that they put there. Very personal, right? It's like... Who do you know? Do you, no, no. <laughs> well, actually, this one is They well. do ask... That. They ask it for... If you want to work for the government and you want you need a security clearance, they ask you if you've been abroad 
and every person you've met. Oh my god. And they will they will call these people. Oh my god. And ask them questions. But even so, they do ask like very very funny and ridiculous questions. Like, are you a terrorist? <laughs> like, really? No, seriously. There is a whole page. I I'm, I'm I have nothing to. My God, we were laughing so hard. It's like, even, okay, are you a drug dealer? Like, <laughs> have okay, you ever sold drugs? Yeah, have you like have you, uh, have you ever been involved in the drug dealing? <laughs> or like, are you? Oh my God, there was something with a uh, human traffic as well. There were like, there are such a questions, like, oh my god, if the per do they really believe that someone will reply like, yes? <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, no, well, most of the people really don't have nothing to do with that. Yeah. But imagine if you're really a drug dealer. Would or, you even say? Yeah, would you even It's like, shit, well, I need to go in the United States, so I, get, I better be honest. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like, come on, those questions are so ridiculous. So, they're like security, first of all. But, uh, unfortunately, now it looks like a comedy, because... Apparently, like really, your opinion was not prepared because that's the thing. Like it's our human thing. Um, we get used to good life, really easy. We do not appreciate that anymore, and of course, we don't pay attention on something that happens, and we don't think about the bad thing coming in. So, to be honest, I understand why, for instance, Angela Merkel or like okay, I'm not gonna say names or whatever. I'm not that good in that, but. Uh, we leaders. all know that in Europe Union, there are few countries that has a really high, um, how do you call it, influence yeah. on, on others one yeah. in Europe Union. We, I think we know who those people are. Yeah, but anyway, um, they, they actually, I mean, they have the one, they're afraid, you know, they're afraid to take responsibility on that. They... I understand them why they're afraid to make some uh, critical or really radical decisions. movement and decisions. I understand that, but sometimes that's the way, and I think that would be that could be one of the cases. I mean, now we are the one who dealing with all that trouble that we have in Ukraine. But if you really ask, and I have a lot of friends who went there, and oh my God, Baltic countries, Estonia, Lithuania, Latvia, they're freaking out. They're like, oh my god, if now Ukraine will give up, we will be next. Yeah. And that's true. And uh, and people understand that, and government, I'm pretty sure, understand as well. But I've been watching documentaries from uh, exercises in the, in the Baltic uh, states. And uh, it's just really funny, because they're not really... When you watch it, it just doesn't look like they're prepared, but they're just showing off on, in these videos. Um, they have exercises where they say, okay, we're the, let's say, Estonian military, and we are, uh, we're fighting this uh, fictional country that's invading us. And uh, the interviewers go, so is this Russia? And they're like, no, we're not going to say it's <laughs> Russia. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, so it's, but, it's really, yeah, they are afraid, and uh, it's because, because, I think, well, I think the rest of the European Union should be concerned, but maybe not afraid, but concerned that tiny, tiny Baltic states can mean war for the entire NATO um, alliance. You know, that's... And Ukraine was almost part of NATO. Yes! Yeah. I mean, a few people actually talk about this, but the same year that all this started was the year, is, if I'm correct, this is the year that Ukraine was... 2013 was the year that Ukraine was supposed to join NATO. 
Uh, I don't know for sure. I think it's the case. There was like this. Yeah, yeah, like, but we were like really, really close. close. We were on our way to European, and of course now no one wanna take us in a part of European <laughs> because then the European will have to deal with the problem. Yeah. I remember before this, it was Turkey was the big question. Does Turkey get to be part of the European Union? Oh, yeah. But now nobody talks about it. <laughs> of course. Nobody talks about anyone joining. <laughs> yeah, and then um, and the problem is because Baltic countries they are as part of European. And if something going to happen there, Europeans are not going to be in uh, high interest to, to, to come do save something. The day. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Well, this is really how to say it. Um, this is very interesting. This is very, at some point, even traumatic situation. But yeah, there is a lot of people. Like now, my friend, he's twenty. 26 or 27 and he's now in that uh, commission the about the policy the, the analyst policy. yeah, yeah he's an analyst. analyst and actually well he's very often been invited on national tv to to give an interview his yeah. opinion and i'm i'm glad to see that i'm happy that our new generation do something but at the same time, well, I don't know. Because me, I don't feel very confident in this subject because I really miss a lot of information that I don't know. So for me, it's hard to make a relation. So it's more like personal, mm. like for, from something I heard from my parents. And besides that, actually, because when I uh, when that started to happen uh, in 2013, I had, um, I had to define my thesis. So I was like on a final part and I had to finish. And it was like... Because my brother, he went to Maidan, he was there when there were like a big protest right, and right. they've been beaten by the by the police and special forces. So it was so tense and so dangerous that I was out of the, like, I can't I say I was like calm and uh, emotionally stable. I was so worried about that, what happened there, that I was like, okay, sometime I have to really distract myself from that part mm -hmm. because I have to focus and actually finish something here. And then I can be involved there. Besides, I cannot do nothing. I'm like so far from there. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, maybe less stress for me. That would help me more now. So I missed, and now obviously I don't know a lot of things from those people that that's actually how, there. Uh, I think that's for most people, politics. Politics is a different world, and everyone understandably wants to take care of their own bubble yeah yeah so, yeah yeah. that's true so i understand unfortunately it's just like that i'm um i always would like to be critical and i would like to be objective but it's not always works not always happens i wish i had like more and uh more there's only there's only so much time in the day so what <laughs> can you do yeah so well that's what happened in the in the end mm -hmm. but yeah that's really, how to say it, interesting thing. Yeah. Alright, I think we're running out of time, so we'll end it here. Uh, thank you for talking to me today. Thank you very much. It was really interesting. Alright, thanks for listening, and tune in next time for Fun Boat Diplomacy, next episode. See you guys.